God has a word for you this morning. He really does. He really does. He really does. He has a word for you this morning. He wants to teach you and I how to persevere. He wants you to understand that this is not the time for us to quit. This is not the moment. Listen to me prophetically. This is not the time for us to throw in the towel. This is not the time for us to bail. This is a time for us to stay in the presence of Almighty God. For I'm telling you, when you look at the world and the culture, if you are not in Christ, you will lose your mind. You will absolutely lose your mind if you are not connected to the Word of God. Connected to the Word of God. So as we begin, I believe that the Lord has birthed in me a sermon series because he's saying, Rowan, you are so close. TGP, you are so close. He says, I now need to equip them because I cannot afford for them to be discouraged as they approach destiny. He says, time I have to equip you now. I have encouraged you and it's time now to equip you as we reach destiny. Because here's the thing. You're not going at it alone. Mm-hmm. You're not going at it alone. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. I'll be reading from the King James version of the Bible. I'm going to read this powerful text. We can read this text and literally go home. Because there's so much power in it. It's so potent. But we're going to spend a couple of minutes really just digesting and really dissecting this text that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the church at Ephesus. And in the King James Version, he says, and has raised us up, someone say together. And has raised us up together and has made us, underline this part in your text, sit together Where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a perspective. What a perspective. Let me read that again. And has raised us up together. That's what God has done. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Amplified Version Says it this way, and he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him. Ooh, good God Almighty. In the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Oh, there's so much power in that text. Glory to God. Are you hungry for the word this morning? Amen. We've got to persevere. We have to persevere. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your written word. But we also thank you for your spoken word. We thank you for the rhema of your logos right now. In Jesus' name, let your presence permanent and saturate us, Lord God, that we leave out of here drunk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We declare church as usual is over. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. If we are going to persevere and achieve and receive all the promises that you have for us, we can't do church as normal. And so in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we invite you and we thank you for the blessing on this word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. For those watching Facebook Live, I want to welcome you. Uh, thank you for watching. But we pray that you will also share this message because I believe that there are people you know that have decided or the enemy has been barring them with a mindset that they need to quit, that it's not worth it. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to encourage you when you read this text that God has raised us up together. That means no matter what the circumstance that you're facing, you are above it when you understand where God has placed you and I. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. And so we are launching come July 1st to July 21st. We'll be doing a 21 day of prayer and fasting. And we're going to conclude on the 21st day, July 21st, which is a Friday, that we're going to come together for an all night prayer meeting. Because we believe it's important that we spend time because we're so close to destiny. And I want to invite you to come together because we are the gathering place <laughs> as we conclude. So whatever the Lord lays in your heart, if you want to fast for a week, that's great. If you want to fast all 21 days, that's awesome. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, I want to encourage you to do that. And for those who are on Facebook, uh, we want to encourage you as well to be praying with us. And so we start July 1st. And I just believe that God is going to reveal to us some tremendous things that we need to, to receive. Uh, amen. Amen. Praise God. So my message and the series we're going to be doing uh, today and the next couple of Sundays, it's called Seated and Sleeping in the Storms of Life. The Storms of Life. If you are breathing, you are going to be facing storms. Tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, water-baptized, saints of God, you're going to face storms. And so what God wants us to understand is that there is a revelation. There is a uh, what God wants to download to us if we understand the purpose of the storms, the purpose of the storms. And so here in Ephesians chapter two, verse six, this word seated with um, is an interesting word. It's it's made up of two words uh, in the Greek. And the first part of the word, uh, it speaks of uh, with us, and this speaks of an intimate union. So when you read this and it says seated with us, it is speaking of an intimate relationship. So we first begin by understanding that God, who is all about uh, having an intimate relationship with his creation, he begins, it says, and he raised us up and he seated us with, seated us with. But the word also continues in the latter part of the word, and it means also to set or to sit down, right? So it's in other words that we're not only with him, we're also seated with him. Where? In heavenly places. That's very important for you to understand that. Because one thing I truly believe is if we understand what salvation is all about, you'll be able to see things from, th see things from God's perspective. We must understand that, okay? And I believe you can spend an entire year or the, the, the totality of your life 
just trying to comprehend this experience or this, this thing called salvation or soteriology or sozo, right? You could spend an entire year, or I challenge you, and I believe you could spend your entire life trying to understand what that really means. What did God do when he saved us? Okay, what did it mean when he saved us? And so as we look at this now, we understand that the Apostle Paul is speaking of a past completed action. So it's not something that's about to, it's already has happened. So our position is that we are with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Okay, so it's already been completed. It's just for you and I to believe it. It's already been completed. He says he's raised us up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places. And so when we take a look at it, then we can be certain then because of the word of God that every promise that God has spoken of our lives, we can hold on to those promises because we know that our position in Christ is secure because we're with him, seated with him in heavenly places. So what that means is this. We must do life together. You can't get a hold of Ephesians 2 verse 6 and not conclude we must do life together. You can't do life together with Christ in the heavenly places and can't do life together here down on earth. It doesn't work that way. It's because you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus why you can do life together here on earth. It's not the opposite. It's not because we're doing life on earth now because there's life in heaven. No, he already established that. And he says because of that relationship, our relationship means now we're doing life together. And it's important because when you're facing storms, you don't, and I encourage you, you don't face storms alone. You need to have somebody with you. And we're going to talk about the most important person you have to have with you when you go through a storm. Okay? When you go through a storm. And so what I want to do now is you turn uh, turn to um, the, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4. And while you turn to Mark chapter 4, I want to take a look at these three prefects that we see in this we've been raised up together. Okay? So the first one is, as you go to Mark chapter 4, it says, we are made alive. That's the first thing. Then it says, we've been raised. That's the second thing. It says, we've been seated all within Christ. Okay? And so this is an amazing, amazing, what the what, what, what Peter is referring to here. And I want to sh- sh- show you this so, so you get what I'm talking about. Okay? So Peter now, Jesus Christ is about to be crucified. And they arrest him. And they're leading him away. The soldiers are taking him away, right? And Peter now, in Luke chapter 22, verse 55, we're going to get to Mark 4 in a, in a minute. In a minute. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 55, it says, after, after they, those who seized Christ, had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and they had sat down together. It's the same Greek word as what we have the Apostle Paul writing about. We've been sitting together with Christ. So get the picture now, okay? They come and they arrest Jesus Christ. They take him away. And all the soldiers now, they make a fire and they now sit down, right, by the fire. So their sitting down tells us that they're in one mind, one accord, and they sit down together. No division. 
the fire is there, and here they are sitting down together, warming themselves by the fire. As the events are unfolding, they have captured Jesus. They're taking him away. They built the fire. Get this in your mind. They built the fire, and they all came, and they saw the fire. And every one of them, whether they spoke to each other or not, what they were saying by their action is that we're all of one mind. That was the event. That was the scenery. Peter comes along now, and he now does what? He sits down together with them. So he, he now has an intimate union with them of agreement. That I'm going to sit down right here beside him. And so when they come now and accuse him, see how he now he denies Christ? Because he sat down with those individuals and took on their mind and the way that they were looking at things. And when we sit down with the enemy, come on somebody, eventually you will get burned. Come on somebody, because you're sitting right down by the fire that he has made to make it look like it's the fire of God. But it's not the fire of God. It's the fire from the pit of hell. And when you sit down together and come in agreement with his lies, you then get warmed by the lies of the enemy. And you always believe that you need those warm things. Come on to keep you what? So we don't want to be seated with the enemy. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, in heavenly places. So with that being the backdrop, right, here's what we need to do now to fully understand this concept of being seated. You must get this. You have to get people of God. If we're going to reach our destiny, which we are, and if we're going to accomplish everything God has for us, which we will, you must understand this. Write this down. We've been teaching on this for the last couple of weeks. I think the last couple of months. You have to know purpose. You have to know purpose. We can no longer get by without knowing purpose. We no longer as a church are going to abuse ourselves because we don't know purpose. The devil is a liar. The church has a purpose. And we're going to sit down together because we know purpose. The second thing is we're going to know our calling. We're going to know our calling. And the third thing is we're going to know our destiny. And why are we going to know our purpose? Why are we going to know our calling? Why are we going to know our destiny? Is because of this. Because we're going to be seated with Christ. Now, some of the storms, and we'll get to this as the message projects, and as the message, uh, excuse me, as we go on in this message. But there are certain storms that we're facing. The storms of depression. Come on. The storms of divorce. The storms of disappointment. The storms when death comes to, come on, causing you. Those things that just, that just changes your entire life, right? The storms of, of drugs and, and the storms of addiction and the storms of everything that just enters your life. Those are storms that we're facing. And so the Bible tells us that we must be seated with Christ. We must be seated with Christ. So now, in Mark chapter 4, Verse 35 and verse 36. Go there real quick. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and verse 36. The interesting thing about Jesus is that when you read the gospel accounts of Jesus, you find a consistent pattern, a consistent way that Jesus and a consistent platform that Jesus would use when he taught the word of God. And one of the things he would always do is he would go into a ship. He would always find himself going into a ship because the occupation of that day, they were fishermen. And he would go into the ship and he would start to teach. And so here in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and 36, are you there? It says, and the same day, underline that, and the same day, 
when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. You gotta write that. Let us pass over unto the other side. That is a statement of purpose. That's a statement of calling. And that's a statement of destiny. Jesus, who spent time with the Father, didn't do anything unless the Father spoke to him. When he opened up his mouth and says, let us go to the other side, he was saying, purpose is revealed, the call of God is revealed, and the destiny of God is revealed. Let's go. Let's go. It's the right time. It's a strategic time. And here it is, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with them other little ships. Watch this. The Lord told me that this was amazing. So they took him as he was. They took Jesus as he was. They didn't change him. Come on. They took him as he was. How was he? If you go to the chapter, sorry, the first verse of Mark chapter 4, verse 1, it says that he went and he sat down. So he got into the ship and he sat down. And they said, don't change your position, Jesus. Oh, come on. We're going to take you as you are seated. Oh, God. See, when we're making a movement or when we're traveling, we just come on, get up, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you don't want me to get up. You want me to stay seated. Because I'm the same yesterday, I'm the same today, I'm the same forevermore. And sometimes when God wants to do a move in our life, we don't have him seated. Come on, somebody. We made him change his position. No, no, no. His position is in the heavenly places because when he's seated, he sees from a different perspective. And they said, we're going to keep you seated just as you are, Jesus. We're going to keep you seated just right there. Because where he was seated... He was preaching the sermon. He was bringing the word of God. Okay? So watch this now. And it also says, and there was also with them other little ships. So I believe as there's three things, purpose, calling, and destiny, there's also three ships that you have to be on to get to your destiny. There are three ships you must be on. And these ships are in order. He says there was other little ships that were there. Now, I was studying this and I looked at and, and I, and I went to the history channel. I did my, my Google research and I went to the history channel. And it says, interesting enough, that Christopher Columbus, right? He, he, from the Spanish port of Palos, an Italian explorer, Christopher Columbus, set sail and he commanded three ships. The Santa Maria, the Pinta, and the Nina on a journey to find a western sea route to China, India, and the islands of Asia. So here he was, he sent out with three ships on this destination. He had purpose, he had calling, he, he, he had a destiny, he had the resources of, of, of the nation that he was part of. And he says, go on this journey, Christopher Columbus. And so he went on these three ships. The Apostle Paul as well, and we're going to look at this as we progress in this message. He also went on three ships as he's fulfilling his destiny. What are the three ships that you and I have to be on if we're going to reach our destiny? What are the three ships? I'm going to give you the first ship today. The first one that we have to have when we see the seated with Jesus is this. You have to understand relationship. <laughs> you have to understand relationship. I said earlier that in Mark chapter 4 verse 1 and 2, and he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship. Jesus comes, and the group is gathered, and he entered into the first ship, which is relationship, and he sits down. 
And he said, I'm going to teach you now. The most important thing you have to know is the word of God. That's the number one thing you have to be in relationship is with the word of God. I'm here to tell you that if you don't have your anchor in the word of God, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be lied to. You're going to believe the traps of the enemy. You have to be in a relationship with the word of God. Someone say, yes, pastor, that's right. You have to know this word. You got to know this word that it is the word of God it is not some literature by Shakespeare. Come on, somebody. It is not just some history book that gives the history of a nation. This is the very breath, the very word of God that is applicable and relevant for today. You have to believe that, that from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I know I'm being basic, but we got to understand this word of God because people are questioning the word of God. There are people, and it's what they call this uh, multiple worldview disorder. That, that, that one individual, one group of people will say that, well, there are some teachings in other religions um, that works with the word of God. But then when we ask, but is Jesus the only way to God? They say, yes. You can't have both. You can't have there are some things that can lead you to Jesus and then just be the only. It doesn't work that way. It's called multiple worldview disorder. And the reason for that is because they don't have a relationship with the word of God. I'm teaching this thing. I'm telling you right now to equip you for the storms of life and to equip it to reach your destiny. You have to know the word of God. You have to look at the word and read the word of God. And we're going to get to that because here's the thing. We, we need to understand this relationship that we have with Jesus and what all that entails. We have to understand that. And so here it is now in Mark chapter 3. I want to go there. There's going to be a lot of scriptures this morning. Mark chapter 3, uh, verses 13 to 14. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus in Mark chapter 3, 13 and 14. Talking about the storms of, that, that we're going to be facing. And he says, And he goeth go up into a mountain, and called unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. Let's stop right there. Jesus goes up into a mountain and he calls. He calls those who were to be with him and they responded. They came. That's how potent the word of God is. That Stevie calls and you're like, oh, yes, because I know the voice of the Lord. And those whom he called, they came. There was a gathering of people that came. And it goes and says, and he ordained 12. And this is the part that really hits me, that they should be with him. He didn't talk about their power yet. He just wanted people that wanted his presence. He says, I've called you and you came for my presence. Not my power, you came for my presence. Because you have to understand that it's in my presence. Come on, that you get your power. Because if you think it's all about power, you'd be like that, that, that person, I think it was Simeon, who, who was a sorcerer, who got saved, but wanted to buy the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Because he knew power, but didn't know presence. Oh, God. And if we don't get it right as a church, all people will do will be attracted to the power and you'll be, de- you'll be deceived because the enemy himself will masquerade like an angel of light and you'll bring some miraculous power thing and we all run to it and like, oh my goodness, there is Jesus. He says, I'm not there. I have no relationship with that. That's not my fire. Oh God, that's a strange fire in the Old Testament they call that. The church will not be deceived in these last days. The church will not lose its direction these last days. Why? Because we're equipped and we're seated in Christ Jesus. I got the best seat in the house. Come on, somebody. Front row view. Come on. Huh? I'm seated with Christ. 
I'm in an intimate relationship with him. That means there's nothing, there's nothing in this world that can move me away from Jesus. Because we have relationship with all kinds of things, right? And Jesus, he'll challenge us. He says, if I'm not Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. That's a challenging thing. They even said to Jesus, hey, your, your, your mother and, and, and your brothers, they, they, they're, they're coming after, they want, they want you. Jesus says, who, who is my mother and my, 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 my family? He says, those who do the will of God and hear God's voice, that's my family. He was bringing this relationship thing to its priority. And the church of God and the body of Christ, we got to get to a place where he is all that we need. He is all that we need is Jesus. And he says that he ordained 12, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. Wow. Wow. Because here's the thing. There are people who are coming into the body of Christ and doing all sorts of miracle stuff, and God is moving, but they don't know Jesus, man. When they leave the building, their character can't even maintain the charisma. Come on. What does that tell you? That you can operate in the power, but it doesn't mean you have the presence of God. And if we are going to reach our destiny, we have to understand, no, it's got to be there with Christ. There's a relationship that they have with Jesus that is, that, that, that is authentic. That is authentic. He goes on and says, let me expand this relationship concept to you. He says, henceforth in John chapter 15, verse 15 and 16, he says, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I call you friends. I call you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father. Watch this now. John 15, verse 15 and 16. For all things. Someone say all things. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Oh, gosh. Everything, Wendy, that he has heard from the Father. He says, I don't keep secrets. Come on. I've revealed them to those who are in relationship with me. So there's a dimension of heaven that the church has access to because of this relationship. And he's saying, I no longer just call you servants. I call you friends. I call you friends. And he continues on now. And he says this. And this is amazing. And he now goes, you haven't chosen me. (laughs) What? You haven't chosen, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may. What a relationship. That means that when we open our mouth, see, that's the answer for prayer right there. That's the answer for prayer right there, that the church knows how to pray because they say, whatever you ask of the Father, whatever you ask of the Father, he'll do it. Because I've chosen you and I've ordained you to go forth and be a fruit. So what we need to see and what needs to happen in these last days is that the church now is producing so much fruit. Oh, God. Fruit evidence that God has manifested himself. Evidence that God's presence is real. That's what people are looking for. They're looking for a community. That's what they're looking for. A community of people that they can be in relationship with. And whether it's perverted, they will still go for it because they're so desperate for community. And you wonder, how could you be in that perversion? Because it's community. Because it's a fire that's warming me. And we come in agreement with that. 
And that's why it's not about shouting who's the loudest. No, it's about we're a community and we're going to see the fruits in us and we're going to see the power of God demonstrated. Come on, because we know the truth and the truth is going to set you free. Because our perspective as the church is different. I want you to write this down. Write this down. This this you can take to the bank because this check will cash. Come on. Relationship with Christ always results in revelation from God. Relationship with Christ always results in revelation from God. I didn't say reason. I didn't say logic. I didn't say facts. I said revelation. If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you live from this day forward based on revelation and not based totally on reason. So let me give an example. Jesus in this particular time didn't need a boat. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm just going to go for a walk. Sends them out. Says, go. Word of destiny. And storm hits them. Boom. Jesus says, I'm going to go for a walk. And he walks on the water like this. Because his relationship with the Father gave him revelation when he says, walk on the water. He didn't do it until the Father said, walk on the water. Okay, I'll walk on the water. Had all his power because he was Christ. He was, he was God. But his human side depend totally on God. He says, now I want you to walk because there's purpose and you walk. Oh. Sam, you wants you to use your power just to show off, but Jesus never did that. Come on. Even when he was being tempted, hey, turn, turn his rock into stone. Come on. You, you, use your power, but not for God's glory. I'm not going to do that. I operate when God tells me that's when I operate. This is good. God says, now I walk on the water. Because then any other time, walk up. Now he walks on the water. He gets them, and they're in the boat. They're in the ship called relationship. And they're in it together. <laughs> and the same word when he said, all those who I called came unto me. He now goes, and Peter looks, and he's seeing something that looks, that has the shape. He's looking at it, right? And he says, I think it's a ghost. And he says, if it is you, Jesus, bid me to come. And Jesus says, come. A word of relationship. Come. And here he now, Peter, steps out. Didn't make any logical sense whatsoever. Didn't make any reason whatsoever. But here he did because a revelation caused what seems unreasonable or it seems what is just ridiculous. He steps out on the water and he starts walking on the word. Come on. Not on the water. He's walking on the word. And if we're going to reach our destiny, come on. There are times when because of our relationship, he's going to say, come out of the boat. I know you're in a relationship with those in the boat, but it's about you and me. Come on, somebody. And so God wants to know, is there anyone here that wants to walk on the word? <laughs> because a relationship with God always results in revelation from God. Always, always. And here he was, Peter stepped out and walked. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, a good scripture for the prophetic. A really good scripture that gives us credibility. It says in Amos 3, verse 7, surely the Lord God will do nothing but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. 
Right? He says, he says, God will do nothing without revealing his secrets unto the prophets. Unto the prophets. So why, why is it that God wants us to walk in this relationship? Here's why. Here's why. Because he wants to reveal to us what he plans on doing. He wants to reveal to us what he plans on doing. In Genesis chapter 18, this is good. In Genesis chapter 18, the Bible speaks of here's Abram who was given a promise and he has this holy visitation. The, the, this holy visitation comes and so Abram goes and he prepares a meal uh, for them. He tells them to sit down and he has this meal for them, right? And they eat and they have fellowship and they're about to go on their way. And now in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 and verse 19, listen to the word of the Lord. And the Lord said, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? So he now says, we're about to go to our assignment. We're about to reach our destiny. But I just had a relationship with Abraham. I just had a fellowship. I was sitting with him as he made this meal. I can't. I'm compelled now. I'm compelled to have to tell him the things in my head. I'm compelled to tell him the things in my heart. God wants us to know that even though our minds are not like his mind and our ways are not his ways, he wants to be that we will know his ways, that we will know his thoughts. And when we have fellowship with God and we sit there in sweet communion, he says, now I can tell you my secrets I can tell you my secrets Joey what I'm planning to do wow I want you to know the secrets I want you to know the secrets of God so he can tell me what God plans to do because if we're in relationship and God is speaking to you I want for you to tell me what God is telling you because my destiny is connected to you because we're doing life together we're doing life together So here it is now that he goes and he says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19, for I know him. God speaking that over you this morning, for I know you. Think about that for a second. Oh my goodness, y'all write that down. God knows me. Now, if it scares you, you're not seated with him in Christ Jesus. It ought to get you to shout. It ought to get you that he knows you. In the midst of your mess, he knew you. In the midst of where you were, he knew you. Come on, somebody. It's his righteousness. He knew you and he knew me. He says, for I know him. I know him. What will he do? That he will command his children and his household after me, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. As a church, we are called to intercede for nations and for people's group and for groups of people. Here he was planning on destroying Solomon and Gomorrah, and he told that to Abraham. And look at Abraham's reaction to it. Abraham says, oh, my goodness, I got relationships there. I got family that's down there. And he cries out to God because he says, God, will you destroy this nation if there's righteous people in it? He goes to the character of God because he knows God. Because he has a relationship with God. And he cries. I know he says, yes, destroy that nation because of the perversion. He says, God, there's got to be righteous people in there. I appeal to your righteousness. Don't, don't destroy that city, God. Because if there's just, if there's 50 righteous, if there's 10 righteous, if there's 5 righteous, please, God, have mercy on that city because there are relationships down there. 
what God is saying to the church because he has assigned us here to be able to be the voice of the Lord. We got to speak. It says, God, have mercy upon nations. Come on. That are not serving you. God, turn their hearts. Come on. We got to be declaring. God, let them see your kindness. Let them see your goodness. God, their minds are perverted. But by your power and by your presence, you can change their mind. The church needs to start interceding. I said, God, don't destroy this city. God, you love America. Don't destroy this nation. Bring us back to our roots. Bring us back to our relationship with you, God. God is revealing the secrets to you and I, his prophets. And it's time we open our mouth and say, God, we're on this relationship. God, if there's five righteous, please spare this nation. If there's five righteous in Congress, please spare Congress. God, don't bring your wrath. God, I might have feel the Holy Ghost saying it. He wants us to cry out. He says, cry out, church. I told you my secrets. I told you what I'm going to do. You know what I'm going to do. You are aware of what I'm doing because you're in relationship with me. And so you can't have fellowship with me and then we'll have fellowship with the enemy. You can't do that and expect me to hear your cry. You can't do that. I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. But I've given you, I've revealed to you my secrets. When we take a look at this, we must understand that this is a time of freedom because we are seated. And we're going to get to how do you sleep in the midst of a storm of life. There's people who can't sleep because they listen to the news and it keeps them up. There's people who can't sleep because their children are not home. There's people who can't sleep because they're wondering where their loved one is. But here is the word of God saying we can sleep in the midst of any storm that's facing the church. That's crazy. That's ludicrous. How in the world can you do that? Because we're seated in Christ Jesus. My children are messed up, but I'm sleeping. What is that? When others are tossing and turning and need a pill to put them to sleep and a pill to wake them up. Come on. Here's a church who can sleep in the midst of the storm. I'm preaching this thing, Daddy, I am. Because you're telling me, Rowan, you can't quit now. The enemy is going to show his ugly face again because you're so close. Because I said to you, let us go to the other side. And every single one of you have stepped into the ship and says, we're in a relationship. We're going to do life together. We're going to do life together. And so it's revealing the things to us. See, that's why, that's why we come together for prayer. It's not just about wasting your time. It's about us seeking God and getting a revelation so we can speak to each other of what God is doing. The pastor of the, of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, a, a church, his daughter, when she was in, in, in her teens, just went crazy and was just was, was out of the house. And he kept praying and he kept praying and he kept praying. And so one day the Lord says, if you give her to me, if you give her to me, I will take care of her. And he said to his wife, I'm no longer going to call. I'm no longer going to be chasing after her. I'm not going to be spending any more money. I've given her to God, and that's the end of it. And they went to a prayer meeting. Come on. And there's about a thousand people in this prayer meeting. And God revealed the secret and told somebody, I believe we need to pray for your daughter right now. 
And he says, I don't want to make it about me. I, I don't. I don't want this thing to be about me. we got a thousand people praying. And they all have your storms that you're going through, right? He says, I don't want to make it about But God gave somebody a revelation. He says, tell the pastor that I've revealed my secret. And let's pray for your daughter right now. He says, okay. And the elder came and they prayed. And I kid you not, either the next day or a couple of days after that, he's home. And all of a sudden, his daughter comes to the house. And she's knocking on the door. And she comes in. His wife runs upstairs. And his wife says, you will never believe this. But her daughter, she's home. She's downstairs. And she's weeping. And she's crying. And she comes down. She says, Daddy, I rebelled against God. I rebelled against you. But I got one question for you, Daddy. Who was praying on Thursday night? Who was praying on Thursday night? Because I was going to bed as usual. But the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. God wants to reveal to you. Oh, you got to get this. He wants to reveal to you his prophets. If you open up your mouth and you cry out for the sons and daughters who are not serving God. God will get a hold of them because you're crying out for them. You think prayer means a waste of time? You think prayer means because we have nothing else to tell you? No, prayer means for you to get in contact with God. It's not my relationship with God. It ought to be the time when we cry out to God and say, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need you. Oh, my God, we need you. 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 We are seated. And we're going to keep him seated. We're going to keep him seated. Now, what's interesting is this. Um, Megan talks about Ikea is my happy place. So I saw this pillow. It says, this is, this is my happy place. <laughs> um, but when you understand you're being seated with Christ, you understand this is your happy place. Come on. When you understand that you're in the heavenly places, right, and you're seated in Christ Jesus, it is, it is your happy place. It is a place of where you see things from a different perspective, right? But, but, but history tells us that that the boats that the Galileans used to use for when, when, when they were fishing, there was a part in it where it was the hinder part. It was the stern. It was the part where the person who was the captain of the ship was controlled, that they were set. And when we read that, when the storms came in ahead and it said that Jesus was sleeping on the pillow, we think in our American mind that he was sleeping like this and he was this way. But if the waters were coming in, it would have drowned him, right? And so we think he's laying down. And in reality, no, it means he was being seated at the place of captain. Come on. See, this is the boat right here. See, we think he was doing this. No, uh uh-uh, no, that's being irresponsible. He was like this. Because that's how you, that's how, when I got into the boat in Mark 4, I took my seat. And you said, Let's go to the other side. And we said, okay. And so you realize, let's keep him where he is. <laughs> and so he said, let's go. And so he's, he's guiding like this. And he already knows he's already there, so he's just like this. I'm resting. You think it's coincident that halfway in the journey, that's when the storm came? Then it come when he first said, let's go. And then it come at the end, it came right in the middle. So we would question our relationship with God. He just sat like this, and he's just controlling it. He's seated on the pillow, and he's sleeping. He says, I'm, I'm controlling this thing. And so what happens, you, you, don't you care, Jesus? You, you kick him off, and you go put something else in your happy place. Come on. So Jesus is over here saying, go stare at yourself then. Go for it. 
But when we put him in that place right here, no matter what storm comes in our life, he's like this. He's just like, where I, where I reside, there's no storm. You just see from your perspective. See from my perspective. And he's saying as the church, TGP, and the church at large, come on, you are seated with me together in the heavenly places, far above all powers, all principalities, all rulers. That's why you can look down on the enemy and says, what? I'm seated with Christ Jesus right there, right there in the happy place, in the happy place. So let me launch you out with this. Let me launch you out with this. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 13. We're going to end with that. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to verse 13. So what the church has to go back to is first a relationship with Christ in the first boat, the first ship, which is a relationship. And the second thing, and we'll get to this next Sunday, is we've got to understand what discipleship really is. What is discipleship? We've got to get back to discipleship. We have to get back to discipleship and understand what that really entails. So here is the climax. Here is the launch of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then that what launches into discipleship, okay, which is the second ship. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 13, it says, But what saith, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Right back to Mark chapter 4, verse 1 again, when Jesus was preaching to them, right? The sermon, he says the word of faith. So everything Jesus was teaching was the word of faith. And so they're preaching what Jesus preached. What we do is we preach about Jesus. We don't preach what Jesus preached. Let me say that again. We're not supposed to preach about Jesus. We're supposed to preach what Jesus preached. He preached the kingdom of God. And so he says here, when the kingdom of God is being preached, it releases faith in the atmosphere. And here's what it says in verse number nine, that if we should confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. Back to Ephesians 2 again. Do you see the connection? He said, if you don't believe that God has raised him from the dead, you won't believe that you're seated, that he's raised you up together with Christ in the heavenly places. So what makes the reality of Ephesians 2 verse 6 a reality is because of Romans 10 verse 8 to 13. That's why I say it's already been completed. And so the fact, and when you confess with your mouth and believe that God has raised them from the dead, you shall be saved. Master, don't you care that we perish? You shall be saved first spiritually. Oh God. First spiritually. He said, you shall be saved. First thing is spiritually, that you'll be saved, that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, he says, then you shall be saved. For with the heart man believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believe on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jews and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many of us have read that scripture? Come on, how many have read that scripture? And because believing that scripture, we went from darkness to light instantly. 
we looked at the scripture. We instantly moved from, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his light. And what the enemy wants us to do, he wants us to come back to this place of darkness again. And he says, I'll give you light, but it'll be by my fire. Instead of seeing the light of the glory of God, we're going to see the light of the fire, of the strange fire. And if we touch it, we're going to get burned. And he's saying here that this text, if you believe in your heart, you will not be ashamed. In other words, you won't be ashamed of the relationship. You won't be ashamed to let people know that you love Jesus. And that's what discipleship is really all about. In some countries, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's a death notice. To them, that's a notice that I've accepted Jesus Christ. And when that happens in some of these nations where you can't preach the gospel, to them, they know it's because I'm seated in Christ Jesus. I don't care what storms come. I don't care what swords come. What can separate from the love of God? Come on, somebody. Shall tribulation, shall persecution, nothing can separate from the love of God that I have in Christ Jesus. Understand that when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you enter into a relationship that is so secure. Hallelujah. That this relationship is so secure that you can look at the storms of life and say, Hey, I'm seeing from a different perspective. My heart and my mind is with Christ. So I can't be fooled. I can't be manipulated anymore because my heart and my mind belongs to God because he saved me. He rescued me. He rescued me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul says in Romans chapter one, I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed. He brings us back to the garden experience of where uh, Adam and Eve, because of their uh, disobedience, and they were naked and they were ashamed. And here he's now saying is that this relationship, you don't have to be ashamed to know Jesus. You don't have to be ashamed to let people know you love Jesus. As a matter of fact, you want to let people know you love Jesus. You want to let people know you love Jesus. Why did this storm happen? Let me end with this. Why did this storm happen? Understand, I said earlier that there are storms that are created because of disappointment. There are storms that are created because of discouragement. There are storms that are created that causes depression. But there are storms that are created by the enemy and they're demonic. They're demonic in nature. And what the enemy wants to do is that he wants to get a hold and capture our mind so our heart won't believe anymore. And we will question the relationship and wake him up and say, don't you care? Don't you see the storm that I'm in? Don't you care that my child's on drugs? Don't you care that my money is funny? Don't you care that this is happening? Don't you care? Don't you care? I'm done with you because you don't care. And I'm going to go sit over here and I'm going to get warmed by this fire right here because I'm ashamed to let people know that I got on the boat with you because we didn't reach our destiny. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. This is your happy place. <laughs> Wherever the location was, Pastor Rick, wherever the location was, Ryan, wherever the location was, Alexandra, 
The place where your heart and your mind said, Jesus, I give you all. Right there was the happy place. That was the place of your assurance of salvation. And that God indeed cares. That he absolutely, from the moment, from the moment, Adam and Eve sinned. As a matter of fact, he said he was slain before the foundation of the earth. So before they could even do anything, he already made provision. So when it happened, he wasn't caught by surprise because he cares. Because he cares about you. And God did not reveal to you his destiny for your life. To then turn around and say, I don't care about it anymore. He did not do that. He did not do that. So I want to take 30 second praise break. And I want you to let you know that if your mind this morning is away from God, bring your mind back to your happy place. And if your heart is away, bring it back to your happy place. And understand that I have to be seated because I want to be able to sleep in the midst of all the storms of life that happens in my way. So I want us to take some time out now. And thank God we haven't gotten there yet, but we know that he's already there. Come on. That he's already made provision for us as a church. And so therefore, we're not going to be distracted by the enemy. We're not going to be discouraged by his plots. We're not going to be, we're not going to give in to his lies, but we're going to progress to our destiny. Come on, open up your mouth now for just 30 seconds and give God praise. Let your heart and your mind know that God does care. Come on, if you know that God cares about you, you ought to stand to your feet and give God some praise and glory. That he's seated in heavenly places. Come on. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. The storms are raging. Come on. The wind and the waves are moving. But you are settled in this one reality. My relationship with Jesus Christ is secure. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, praise his name, praise his name, praise his name. Praise his name. My heart belongs to you, Jesus. My mind belongs to you, Jesus. I'm seated. I'm seated with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on now, say, God, give me revelation. Give me revelation. Tell me your secrets, God. Tell me your secrets. Oh, tell me your secrets. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. I'm not ashamed of my relationship with Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I'll let everybody know on Facebook know that I love Jesus with all my heart. Come on, somebody. Let everybody know you love Jesus with all your heart. That he cares about you. He cares about you. If he can feed every bird, come on, hallelujah. If he knows every hair that was on my head, come on, he cares about you. Wake up, Jesus. Don't you see what the world is going through? Wake up, Jesus. Jesus, I'm going through the storm. Don't you care? He said, they told me if I put my trust in you, 
that I'll be able to, I'll be able to make it. Don't you care, Jesus? I'm hearing the Holy Ghost telling me, Rowan, tell my people that when I get up, he says, when he got up, he said, why? Where's your faith? Didn't I tell you we're going to get to the other side? And what you need and what I need this morning, here's a prophetic word. You need to know that God said to the storm, put a muzzle on it. He spoke to the wind. And the wind, because it ceased to move, the sea had to be calm. He went to the root of the cause of the problem. It's the doctrine. says what you believe in is causing you to be all out of whack. He speaks to the wind, which represents doctrine. He speaks to the doctrine, the system of this world that's trying to prevent you from getting to your destiny. Come on, hear me now, church. Hear me now. And their revelation was this. What manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? Seated in the place. That even the wind and the waves obey him. You have the ability because of who you are in Christ. To speak to the wind and speak to the wave. And you're not going to be ashamed to speak to it. Come on, are you with me? Are you with me? Because people are sitting now, they're wondering, why is all things going like this? God is saying, somebody's to open up their mouth and speak who's not ashamed of me. He said, the church is going through like this. And he's saying, God help me. He goes, I already did. I gave you my word. God, are we going to make it? I gave you my word. Come on, this is for somebody. Open up your mouth and say, peace. Oh, good God, about it. Let him sleep. Come on. Oh, you sleep, Jesus. Peace. Ah, don't wake him up. Let him sleep. Because from his perspective, he's interceding for us. So when he says speak, speak peace. Oh, I speak peace in the Anderson household. Come on, somebody. I speak peace in the Anderson household. I speak peace at TGP. Those who are watching on Facebook, speak peace to your house. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Walk all over your house. Peace over my children. Peace over my finance. Come on. I need financial peace. Come on, somebody. Speak peace over your finance. Speak peace. If you're here and your heart and your mind are not connected in a relationship with Jesus, I want whatever head bowed, every head closed, you can be seated. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I know that there are people right now here that you have, you have, you have said, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we perish? It was your word that you said, let's get to the other side. Don't you, don't you care? Don't you care? Oh, Jesus. Please give, give me 60 more seconds. 60 more seconds. As a matter of fact, I want, I want those who want revelation from God, that, that you want a deeper revelation because there are people that are coming to you and saying, doesn't he care? And you need a word of peace to speak to them. 
I want you to come. I want you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to release you with this. I want you to come. Destiny, destiny. It's a question of destiny. Come on. You're going to come because the question of destiny, right? He's, he's going to speak to you. You're going to find your happy place is because of the person. Oh my God. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, move. 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 Come on. Come on.